And that's true. Anything, anything you do is a source of content. But what you don't want to do is just tweet out every million or, or LinkedIn or whatever, the same content you've just done over and over and over and over again. You, you've got forever to do, potentially redo all this stuff. Hello and welcome to The Writer's Mindset with me, Christina Adams. And me, Ellie Betts. Each week we're here to bring you the strategies and advice you need to achieve your writing goals. This week we're talking to Tim Lewis about networking for authors. Our interviewee this week is Tim Lewis, a former IT manager in a financial markets company who, after the death of his wife, decided to try and become an author, writing time travel and then fantasy books. In his effort to try and work out how to sell books online, he became fascinated by using social media for business and to improve your life. His latest book, Social Media Networking, explores how to use social media to build connections and to get ahead in your career, personal life and business. He's a host of the Oh No, Not Another Live Show, a topical live show on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube, and runs the Indie Author Chat on Twitter for the Alliance of Independent Authors. Recently, he started to concentrate on author and social media productivity and is creating courses on this for the smallbusiness.live training site. I sat down with him to talk about how we, as writers, can use social media to network and what we can do to make the most of it. And that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, there's always this misconception that you've got to do all the things and be on all of the social media sites and like some of the people we've got interviews with coming up aren't active on social media at all because they just don't like it and they still make five six seven figures a year so you definitely don't need to use social media but if you're gonna do it you need to do it the right way for it to be beneficial to your career absolutely there's no point in spending all that time and effort and it not giving you anything at the end no and i met my editor actually through twitter through our mutual love of dogs so it can work if you're using it in the right way. And Tim and I certainly cover some of our pet peeves that authors do and some of the kind of misconceptions people have about social media. If you found this and our other episodes valuable, you can support the writer's mindset on Patreon, where you'll get early access to episodes, bonus content, and our undying gratitude for supporting all the work that goes into creating these episodes for you. Mm, and I might even spare a hug or two. You can become a podcast patron for as little as one pound. That's about $1.50 a month. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash writers mindset. So how's your writing been going this week? Slow and steady is how I would describe it. Um, I'm trying to get through adding in all the scenes I need to add for my dissertation piece which is coming together and I'm hoping to have the first draft well the the second first draft done in, um, in the next couple of weeks so we'll be hearing more about that other than that I've just been messing around with um, plants and stuff because it's that time of year right I'm very good at killing plants. I'm not the right person to ask that question. We so, we rescued all your kale. Everything's fine. <laughs> to, to be fair, the stuff in the garden is doing very well, but I'm not sure about the stuff on my windowsill. 
<laughs> That's different. What have you been up to this week, my dear? I've still been doing the morning writing thing, mm. and I definitely found it harder this week, but I maintained it and made sure I was still writing at least a thousand words a day. And I actually managed to get a finished first draft of The Necromancer's Secret in about maybe 10 days. Very exciting. It was, but it drained me. Mm, there's a lot um, of big scenes in that one, isn't there? There is, yeah. It's a very emotional book. But then to go from that and then the next book is Hollywood Heartbreak and the key is in the name. <laughs> Why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> Not intentionally, but I kind of had a half first draft of Hollywood Heartbreak and then I stopped it to finish other stuff and I thought I should probably um, finish this draft before I move on to another draft. And also I just really needed a break from how intense the end of Necromancer was. Mm. And... And I've not got much left to add into that, but mm -hmm. I came up with a subplot to add into it. So it's mostly adding in that subplot because it was a subplot that was originally in book three and I cut it because I didn't like it. And then I added it into this one, sort of, a better version of it. But yeah, it, it's been one of those weeks where there's been lots of highs and then lots of really crappy days as well. So I'm kind of... Excited to see the back of this week. <laughs> That's the spirit. Move on from the shit week. Look forward to starting the new week with all that renewed vigour, right? Yeah, and hopefully get a finish after Hollywood Heartbreak. And then I'm going to be writing a short story for my fantasy lead magnet. Ooh, relating to Ghost Call. Yeah, yeah. It will fit in between books one and two. I'm not sure how long it'll be, but I've got the plot written down. And uh, will this include any of the characters that those who have read Ghost Call are familiar with. Yeah, it centres around Edie and Josh. Ah, uh, well, that's very exciting. Not really, people are going to hate me when they read book two. No, but... don't say that. You're supposed to lure people in. <laughs> I mean, I'm not known for being nice to my characters. Let's just remember that No, this for a is moment. true. Anyone who's read any of your other books will know, well, will have a, a very good idea of what's to come, I imagine. <laughs> I get worse the older I get. I legit get worse. <laughs> I mean, it's better to torture characters than real people, right? True. And I mean, it means I've got more story if I'm torturing them more. Remember when you were a kid, you I don't know about you, but your parents would complain at you if you go, why are you always inside? Why are you always playing video games? And you'd go, ah, oh, listen, I could be addicted to drugs. I feel like that justification for torturing your characters felt the same there. You know, <laughs> okay, so I keep torturing characters, but I could be out torturing real people. You know, <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> that's something very sadistic right now I know, I don't know where that came from it's not like me at all not at all <laughs> so, shall we go catch up with Tim? we should, there's a lot of good stuff in there you're gonna mm -hmm. love it yep, we'll see you on the other side so hello Tim and welcome to the Writer's Mindset thank you so much for joining us it's wonderful to be on the show so before we dive into the nitty-gritty, tell us a little bit about you and your background. Well, I'm one of these weird people who hangs around with writers and self-publishers. Uh, <laughs> somewhere in the distant past, in 2014, I actually wrote some books. Uh, I started off writing time travel novellas. Um, I, I, I had a long career in financial IT, and I was going to do IT contract work, but instead I ended up writing time travel books. Uh, and then I realized that it was a lot more fun uh, writing than doing IT work. And um, 
I, I really got into social media and connecting with people and going to conferences because out of the writing. Because the first thing that you find out as a, as a writer of books, especially fiction, is like, well, how on earth do I sell these things? Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I still don't know the answer to that question, to be honest. Does anyone? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but I got really into social media and social media, connecting with people and going to conferences. Um, so I wrote those three time travel books in 2014. And then over the, between 2015 and 2018, I wrote three um, fantasy novels in the Magpies and Magic series, which is kind of one of the few genre fiction areas. Of, I don't think there's any other magpie fantasy writers in the world. Uh, so I'm still, if I campaign on Amazon for them to have a magpie uh, fantasy category, then I will be number one and the mm -hmm. bottom placed in that category. It's um, hoping they bring it in. Yeah. Um, and in 2018, or was it 2019? 2018, yeah, the last book I wrote was called Social Media Networking. And it was a series of 20 interviews I did with people I know from social media who managed to get job opportunities or had got uh, found romance or had done uh, managed to get like wonderful opportunities from social media so that whole book is about how to make connections on social media and how to use them and uh, i kind of get the feeling the theme of this interview might be about making connections maybe from a, from a maybe. writer's <laughs> point of view um my, yeah, I maybe, think... maybe my mystic meg abilities coming in there <laughs> Yeah, networking is one of those things that I've noticed a lot of writers are like, oh, yeah, I should probably be doing it, but I don't know where to start. So let's go really back to the basics. Why is networking important for writers? Why should they even consider it? Particularly if it's someone who's like, oh, I'm a writer, I'm an introvert, I don't need this to be on my radar. Well, uh, networking, um, it's not a necessity. I mean, nothing's a necessity. If you're not bothered about, selling books or about having success or finding out about the latest techniques. I mean, the biggest reason why networking is useful for writers or anybody is that we are not um, much as we would like to be. We are not hermit. We need other people's help with things. Um, and I mean, one of those, <laughs> Uh, I mean, one of the ironies is that you, you're not necessarily, unless you're selling like books which are worth like a thousand dollars each or something, um, then networking is not so much about selling to individual people. I mean, you can do that. And I have actually done that at conferences. I've like um, hand sold copies of my books to people at, uh, at conferences and events. Um, but that's not really what networking is about. Networking is about building up those human relationships with people. And it's not just necessarily writers and customers and other people. It can be anybody who like, if you can make a connection with a journalist, then that can be fantastic for your network, uh, for your writing uh, exposure. It's really just making use of that grand network, this big human network of connections that's out there um and trying to and, and it will help you uh make connections and uh get ahead that's a terrible yeah, non-answer really but i'll go into more detail <laughs> later not at all no i met my editor through twitter 
yeah. because she found a picture that I'd posted of my mum's husky. So little things like that. It's amazing what can come from them. Yeah. Well, I mean, so would, yeah. go on. Yeah. No, let's have a question answer standoff. You, you start okay. with the question <laughs> and I'll answer it. Would you say it's more important to network with readers or other writers? Um, well, as uh, I, I was jumping ahead, not that we've got the questions in front of us or anything. Um, <laughs> I would actually say it's more important in a way to network with other writers, um, which might sound like a bit of a strange thing to say. Um, you do want to connect with readers because the advantage of what you can get from readers, um, especially people who are avid readers in your genre, is that essential feedback as to like what you're doing that appeals to them and what you're doing that doesn't. So let's say you wrote um, zombie romance. I'm not sure if that's a category or not. Uh, it probably and, is. Yeah, and you managed. You went on to Facebook and you found the zombie romance readers group, and you were sitting on there and you like ended up chatting to somebody, and then they start. You get into a sort of DM conversation. And they say, well, we, uh, and they say to you, like, well, we love your book, your zombie romance book, but um, the zombies are supposed to die at the end of the book. So that's what everybody else does. And it was a bit of a surprise um, that the zombies didn't die at the end of your book. Then that's the kind of information that you can get from uh, connecting with readers, uh, especially in your genre. Now, you can go wrong. In, um, assuming that absolutely everybody is a is somebody who has valid input on your book, and I see this all the time, and I've done it as well. It's like when people post up on Facebook like multiple covers that they could have for their books. Um, if to the ask your friends, and some of those people may be potential readers of your book, and they may enjoy your, but they're not necessarily people in that genre, and they're not in your target audience necessarily. So they may like a totally different kind of book to the kind of book that your target readers group would like. Um, and yeah, you kind of have to keep that in mind. So, but writers are useful because writers already have their community. Um, so especially writers in your genre are gold dust um, because if you build up connection with them, then you've got the ability to cross promote between your two books. So you might meet up another zombie romance writer. I'm not sure. It's like, I don't think zombie romance is a category. But you know, Isn't Hard Bodies a zombie romance? The YA one? I think it is. Oh, it was turned into yeah, a film a few years ago. So I, I think you are onto something. I yeah. think you are. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's... I mean, it, it, there is a... In online business in general, and I, I hang out with a lot of online business and social media lobbies and various other people, um, there is all this idea about like a rising boat, a rising tide even lifts all boats. And there is, um, there, there's an element of that, like the happy clappy kind of like we all push each other together thing. Um, I mean, you don't necessarily want to be giving all of your ideas out to everybody. You do have to be certainly sensible because there are some people who are not nice actors in any area so there might be somebody you you tell them about your new zombie romance idea and they steal the idea off you um that thing doesn't happen as much as people worry about it but it does happen so you have to be careful in that regard um but still most writers 
are always need more people in their audience. So it's unlikely if you find another zombie romance writer that they're going to have exactly the same readership as you, and it's like you're just competing for the same readers. Chances are 70 or 80% of their audience have never heard of you and vice versa. So that's where like interacting with other writers can be really good for, for an author, especially in your genre. And sometimes it can be that if it's in a related, totally different genre, um, but it's kind of the people he appeals to would be similar. So, um, and it can even be like a side thing. So let's say you wrote uh, about traveling to wherever you're from, somewhere up north. <laughs> <laughs> so you wrote the book about how to travel somewhere up north. And uh, you met somebody else who had a book, travel book about uh, Cornwall or something like that. Then those are both in the same sort of genre, but they are different books and different, like, one can sell compliments the other. So again, it, it can work really well, even if it's not exactly the same area. So yeah, I, I, th I think some people are afraid of competing with other writers as if there's like a finite number of readers, but actually yeah. most readers can read quite fast and they're going to read more than one author as well. So you're not competing with them, you're complimenting them. And it's oh, really yeah. easy to forget that. <clears throat> yeah. And also, I mean, they, they can also give you lots of tips about like who they use as editors where they've got their cover design from, what new marketing things they're trying out or doing. And that's especially true of self-published authors. Um, but, I mean, most most authors, whether they're traditionally published or not, need help with marketing um, <laughs> because um, unless you're very naive, most traditionally published people will need to do their marketing as well or else they get dumped by the... Uh, I was going to say the label, the publishing house that we're. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a hard one. I've certainly spoken to people even now who still think that if they're publishing traditionally, then they won't have to do their own marketing. And that's their main reason for going trad. And you try and convince them that that's not true, but they think that you're publishing yourself because of the fact that. Um, you know, you got rejected by the trad publishing houses rather than doing it as a business decision. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I never, um, as soon as I discovered self-publishing was a thing, I never wanted to, I was never going to, I don't really, I suppose it's my my kind of bullshy personality in that I don't really like this whole kind of trying to be approved by people kind of thing, uh, which you get with traditional publishing. I'm not totally averse if somebody approached me about something. Um, it's ironic. I'm probably more open to tradition, traditional publish now. Traditional publishing now that I've been self uh, self published than I was before I self published because I know the amount of work that goes into doing creating a book. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so having a company or somewhere behind that, I mean, that is actually a better argument for traditional publishing than what most people who've never been either traditionally published or self published would give. Um, saying I can't be bothered to have to do all the project management and other stuff to create a book um, and the, usually the financial outlay the, or at least time outlay um, it, that's a good argument for traditional publishing but expecting them to do your marketing for you is not a good, not a good argument at all 
Yeah, because at the end of the day, they've probably got like at least one book a week going out, yeah. particularly if they're a bigger publisher. So they don't have as much time to spend on your book as you have to spend on your book. And they don't have as much to lose as you do because they expect most books to make a loss. Yeah, They're kind of relying on the big fish in the pond, like the celebrity authors, to keep tiding them over. So if you're not putting that time in to promote yourself, why should they as well? Oh, exactly. Yeah. So on to our next question, because people might be thinking, oh my God, now I've got a network, what am I meant to do? But I don't like people, I'm a massive introvert. What would you say to someone who feels like they're too much of an introvert to do all of this networking and maybe some of the marketing as well? Well, I'm going to be one of these annoying pendants. Uh, so kind of what you mean by introversion. I mean, the, the trouble is there isn't, a, there isn't a decent definition necessarily of introversion. Um what I go by um, when I realized I wasn't an introvert <laughs> is that introverts are energized by their own company and extroverts are, are energized by connecting with other people. Um, and that's not the same as being shy. Being shy is where you you feel anxiety connecting with other people. So I I was always shy, and to some extent I still can be shy, so like when you go to a meeting and you end up sitting in the corner because you're worried about talking to other people, that's shyness. That's not necessarily introversion. And a lot of the people I know, there are a lot of people who you would think are, you would classify them as not introverted and actually they're introverted. So in terms of shyness, which I think is probably what you meant, he says, or a lot of actually, uh, not you, but a lot of people who are writers who was they are actually shy. They're not used to connecting. They're socially. Awkward. I think you're right. Yeah, so just mulling that over in my mind, I can definitely see it. Like some people, it is a case of they ch recharge better from their own company, and they really don't want to yeah. deal with other people, which is a different problem. But then there are people who find it very, very hard to put themselves out there, either in an online space or in, you know, in person when we can actually see people in person. Yeah. I mean, an introvert has an issue in that they are limited in the amount of time that they can spend doing connecting and doing, uh, I think it's easier online uh, in a way, whatever way. <laughs> yeah. If you're shy or introverted. But if you're introverted, then you need to kind of almost know that if you go to a conference, you want to need to spend three or four days afterwards decharging, decharging or relaxing. Recharging. So, recharging, yeah. Um, but if you're an extrovert, you're not going to have that issue. So that's an advantage to being an extrovert. But the whole shyness thing is like, um, I mean, it's like I'm, I run a live show now and uh, before that, I wrote a, run a podcast, but I remember when I did my first podcast episode, I was so nervous just putting it out there. And now I just, you can't shut me up um, <laughs> and you can't stop me from being on camera and the rest of it. So it, shyness is overcome by experience. So you kind of have to take your first little steps. Now, what I did, um, I went to lots of in-person events. Um, but before I went to them, I connected with people there on Twitter and other social media platforms. Um, because it's kind of, in a way, if you screw it up with somebody on social media, like you fall out with them, 
it's nowhere near as bad as falling out with somebody in real life. Um, and it's amazing, like, if you go to, like, a, let's say you go to a local writer's event or something like that, if you don't know anybody there, you go into a room, it is so intimidating. It can be really like you just end up sitting in the corner and nothing happens. Yep. What you need to do, if at all possible, is connect with them some way electronically before that event. Somebody, at least a couple of people, ideally. Um, and then you've got like, um, especially if it's on somewhere like Facebook or Twitter where you've got a profile picture of you and you've got a profile picture of you and they will recognize you. And that level, even that small level of like, oh yeah, I recognize you from Twitter or I recognize you from Facebook. That gives you somebody to talk to. <laughs> Just It gives you a reason to connect and talk to somebody. And generally it's that... I mean, even if you go to that local writer's event and you just talk to that one person or those two or three people you met from Twitter, um, that is the, that's the, that gets over that initial kind of, like, um, reluctance. Um, um, and then this works better. I mean, actually, I feel the best events are some ways are conferences and things where... Nobody knows anybody. <laughs> um, the worst is if you're going to join a local. In some ways, local groups can be worse because if everybody knows each, if you move to a new area and like everybody else already knows each other, it can be quite intimidating because um, it can feel like a clique in some way. Um, so in some ways, the best ones are new events or new meetups. Um, but again, even if you can connect to a group and you can connect to lots of people in that group, online then you coming in that gives you lots of connections and you can almost invade the sort of in break into the clique in a way if that makes sense yeah um, it makes sense so in terms of shyness yeah the easiest way is just to do it uh, i mean i know that's a, like, a bit of a chicken and an egg thing but find the smallest kind of start on social media or it can be a right it doesn't have, i mean when i say social media it can be anywhere so i mean if it's like there's an online forum or some kind of place like it doesn't have to be twitter it could be like some sort of uh good reads or like some local facebook group or anywhere really i mean it's kind of anywhere where people are i mean that's one advantage now you don't have to in many ways like social media and, and the internet has opened up the world of connections to people because before um before it was very much it was who you knew but it was like who you went to school with or who was in your local group or your masonic lodge or whatever now you can just bypass that by going social media and making connections with people so off the back of that do you think writers need to be on social media in order to network um well you don't need to do anything um i mean you could just i mean if you're very if you're not shy and you're not extroverted, uh, if you're not shy and you're extroverted, then you could you probably don't need to be on social media. You could just turn up and do your spiel at uh, live events or uh, whatever, and you'll be fine. But I think for most people, social media adds a real kind of... I mean, it, social media has perils. I mean, there are... It's very, very easy to waste all of your time on social media. Um, and something I say in my book, which I, I don't necessarily take any notice of myself, and I should, is that I turn, turn off 
all of the notifications on your social media apps and then have some other notification app. There, I think there is a called Reminders or something on your iPhone and add in your own things to check Twitter or check this particular group or check this particular app so that it's under your control and it's not your, like, Twitter, oh, somebody's retweeting my picture of a puppy. And it's like, well, who cares <laughs> at the end of the day? Um, you don't, you're not running a support company support business. So you don't necessarily need to respond to somebody instantly, but you do need to look at your social media. Uh, but you want to be doing it under your schedule so that let's say if you write between nine and 11, you can set a reminder on your phone to say, check, check Facebook at 11 o'clock for half an hour or something. Um, and then you come back and then at two o'clock it's check Twitter. And that's probably a reasonable thing because what tends to happen is that people either go too mad on Twitter and Facebook and the like, and they're just on there all the time, i.e. me, <laughs> or they they, aren't, they don't respond at all. And it's kind of like, well, you, you kind of have to do, like you have to be there at least daily or twice, uh, every two or three days. Um, so... Yeah, I'm not sure we even answered that question. What did I say? They need to be on social media? No, but I think it's a good idea. Yeah. So what networking mistakes do you see writers make? Like, is there anything really cringeworthy that you spot them doing that might be either damaging to their brand or that is just bad social media practice or bad in-person practice well, even? Um, this is a general issue with everybody who's in online business but it's the buy my book syndrome it's like <laughs> hello i'm tim buy my book it's like well and then they go I, then they go into a uh a whole sales pitch it's a whole kind of like dragon's den approach to it and the problem is that um well this is one of my weird analogies i always get mixed up metaphors and analogies and i should do as an author i should know all the difference but Marketing is like trying to catch a cat. So have you ever tried to pick up a cat that's sitting across the room somewhere? If you just rush straight towards it, you're never going to catch the thing because it's quicker than you. Yeah. <laughs> and that is what, like, all of us are just trying to, like, buy my book, and it's basically I'm just straight in to, like, get the sale. And the thing is, like, if you did that 50,000 times, you might get 10 or 20 people for whatever reason might say yes. But it's just terribly, terribly inefficient way of doing it. And it really causes damage to all the people who are turned off by you doing it. Um, and I've seen it in person as well. I remember I went to Social Media Marketing World, and I think it was like 2017. And this guy comes up to me, shoves a business, uh, business card in my hand and says, let's connect. And before I even like, who the hell are you? He's gone on to the next person. Wow. And wow. he sent me like a letter in the post or sort of uh, like after the event. And I'm like, well, we never, I, I don't even know who you are. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, the, the whole, like the whole sales process in general, if you're trying to sell, I mean, there's a couple of stages, like people like screw up and writers are especially good at screwing up. Um, one is what's called qualification. Is the person interested in my product and I do, can they buy it? 
So if you like, if you've got a book about fishing, um, you shouldn't be going up to somebody who has no interest in fishing and trying to sell them your fishing book. Um, but the number of people who do that kind of stuff, it's kind of like, because what the problem is, it's like, let's say, if I connect with somebody who isn't into fishing, but I've got a fishing book, but they like me, um, then they become a potential person for recommending me to other people. <laughs> Even at the same event. So let's say, like, there's only two people in this uh, conference or event who like fishing. Um, if I go up to somebody else and say, well, this book about fishing, blah, 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 but yeah, you're not into fishing, that's fine. Then chances are, when they meet the other person who's really goes on about how they, they're really into fishing, they're going to say, oh, you should meet Tim. But if I just say, like, I've got a book about fishing, please buy it, please buy it, they're just going to think, that fucking arsehole. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, they are. No, yeah. it's fine. Don't worry. Uh, Eddie yeah. and I are terrible for swearing on the podcast. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So, uh, um, no, you're totally right. Um, one of the things I've seen as well is buy my book syndrome, and people forget, like, people are going to be more inclined to buy their book if they like you and if they know you. And yeah. one of the ways you do that is to get them to talk about themselves rather than talking about you. Yeah. It's no, like the I mean, exact I opposite of what that guy did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just thinking, yeah, I'm talking about myself all the time. Yeah, I'm getting more, I'm turning more grandiose as, uh, as I get into social media and hosting shows and the like. But no, you're right. I mean, the ability to listen is... Because it's running out as like people just do not listen to other people anymore. Um, I think part of the reason for that is that we are bombarded with so social media and media in general. Everybody's trying to tell everybody stuff. Um, and I've actually done like talks and presentations about the advantages of consuming other people's stuff on, on social media is something that is so if you actually watch somebody else's live show or you read their blog post and you comment on it that actually is pretty special now because everybody's producing podcasts live shows and the rest of it um and there's still that i mean that's still useful because there are a lot of people who are put off by creating sort of real real high quality content they, they for whatever reason don't stick with it but if you consume other people's content and you listen and you do like the, the other side of it, that is actually quite rare now. People who are diligently, consistently um, consume other people's content. Yeah, it is hard because I guess people feel like they're short on time. Yeah. But it's one of those things you're going to grow your network and probably grow your own author, brand, blog, podcast, whatever, if you are networking with these people who are doing the same or similar things as you. Yeah. So then, if someone is starting from square one, what would you say is a good place to start? And that was submitted by our listener, Renee. Well, um, I always say, and it's not necessarily as true as it was before, but I say start with Twitter. Um, and why Twitter? Well, Twitter's just totally open as a platform. To some extent, Instagram is as well. Um, but... Facebook is okay, um, but Facebook is quite sort of permission-based. So, like, you can't necessarily connect with people unless they're, like, friends, friends, and all the rest of it. Um, and even LinkedIn to, uh, is a little bit like that. So, I would say start with Twitter, 
because Twitter has a habit uh, thing of people following other people back, and everything's open. It's kind of everything's open, so like you can look and find Twitter chats, you can find people, you can see what people are saying on the platform, uh, which you can't on a lot of the other uh, lot of the other sites. So I say start with Twitter as a as a connection thing. You don't necessarily want to keep people on Twitter because it's not a particularly great platform for chatting to people. Um, when I say DMs, direct messaging. So I think Facebook is a better platform. Facebook or Instagram are better platforms for that. Um, in fact, probably Instagram is the most effective platform I've found for connecting people, bizarrely. Um, Why do you say that? Well, I did... <laughs> I think it's because the the whole story concept. So, um, I mean, it's crept onto other platforms where they've all got like these. So, a series of videos and pictures about people they do. But if you reply to them on Instagram, generally speaking, you get a response, even from very big accounts. Um, That's true. Yeah. So it's quite a good platform for making that connection. Um, so, uh, yeah. But I say start with Twitter because that. And then you can start moving those people onto other platforms. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's my rather unhelpful advice. And also, it's really, really, really easy to build up a lot of followers on Twitter quickly. <laughs> um, I think they... as well, because Twitter is written rather than yeah. pictures and stuff. It's a lower barrier to entry because I'm not, like, I hate designing. I have Well, I have a love-hate relationship with it. And I also, I'm not the best photographer in the world, and I'm quite camera shy. So Instagram's not great for me, but Twitter's great because I can just like tweet random things and people seem to like it. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <That's> Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in some ways, Twitter. I mean, people go on about the trolls on Twitter, uh, but yeah, in some ways, Twitter is very. I say it's not very. It's very tolerant in a way because even though you might get abuse from people, there are always going to be people who support you on Twitter. It's kind of like a weird way of saying it, but. Some on some other platforms, like you can get abused by people and you get no support whatsoever from anybody. So, yeah, trolling isn't exclusive to Twitter, but also I kind of think of it as if you're being trolled, it's almost a sign that you've made it or that you're yeah. saying or doing something important enough and big enough that you are almost dividing people, and that actually helps you to stand out and build your brand more. Yeah, well, I mean, um. In the UK, GB News have done a fantastic marketing job um, for anybody who's like from an international background. I mean, I've, I've watched a little bit of their show and it's pretty banal, to be honest. It's just another news channel that's launched, but they're slightly to the right politically of all the other news channels. And um, what seemingly happened was that they, they sent out their bulk advertising package and a lot of companies ended up advertising on them who didn't appreciate that they were signed up to this general sky package. So they've now said a lot of the, some of these companies have opted out and they like, they've said, Oh, well, they've been boycotted us. And then all these, there's a lot of people on the kind of left side in the UK who have now said, oh, congratulations to these companies for boycotting the thing. And then all these people on the right, and it's they've actually done it as a, it's very clever in way of using marketing to kind of boost the brand up by de deliberately dividing people. But um, yeah, anyway, I didn't really want to take things down that um, political route. <laughs> but it's just very interesting because that is an approach that some people use of like being what we call the Marmite. You, you, you say, I'm not bothered about these people. 
Um, I wouldn't necessarily go to their extent of you almost troll one group to get a reaction so that they activate another group who hates them to get you to buy your books kind of thing. Yeah, that one might be a bit too far. Yeah. <laughs> so let's mention a, a platform that we haven't discussed yet. Uh, Renee asked, Link is LinkedIn useful for fiction authors as it can be for nonfiction authors? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um LinkedIn is an interesting one actually. Um LinkedIn is useful uh, remember what I was saying before was that it's not just about connecting with uh potential readers and readers and people like that. Um I mean there are human beings on LinkedIn like any other platform and there will be people who are interested in reading fiction on LinkedIn. But that's not primarily why you're on that platform. Again, it's for connecting with people. I mean, you can connect with editors and other, like, people in marketing, journalists, um, all sorts of people. And what I like about, uh, I mean, it, it's like, here's a tip for LinkedIn. Um, you want to be writing referrals for people and you want to be recommending people on LinkedIn because if you write a, like a reference to somebody on LinkedIn, that a link to your profile appears on that person's profile. <laughs> so in effect, you're creating a link from them to you. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, LinkedIn's, I mean, to be fair, my LinkedIn is a little bit tumbleweed at the moment, um, but that's just because I've not spent the time there. Uh, but it's a very useful platform for everybody. Um, you need to, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it as the first platform that fiction authors go on, but you should certainly consider it. Um, and again, it's like, I suppose the advice I would give about any social media platform is if there is a community of people there, so a Facebook group, a Twitter chat, a LinkedIn community of some kind or LinkedIn group. I'm not sure the LinkedIn group still exists, but they do. Yeah. Um, it, for whatever you, for whatever purpose you're interested in, um, those platforms are useful for making connections or um, finding a particular person with a particular thing, or can introduce you to another person. Um, you almost, I'm almost, I suppose, I'm agnostic in a way. It's whatever tool. It's kind of like they're each of the social media networks is like. So one, let's say Facebook's the hammer. Uh, Twitter is the saw, LinkedIn is um, some other random tool, like a chisel or something. And you just have to use whatever one works for your, uh, for whatever purpose you're trying to do. I mean, there's so many opportunities on all of them. Um, LinkedIn is, I mean, I actually, for my, um, I actually tried LinkedIn advertising once. And one of them, yeah, one weird thing about LinkedIn is that, it has interests in it and um so like creative writing is an interest that people put on their linkedin profiles so and you can target ads to people who do creative writing um so again it's like with anything and also like company you can you can target ads to people with a particular company so again if that is appropriate even if you're uh, like um Say you wrote a fiction novel about employees at Google, you could target ads to Google employees and LinkedIn. <laughs> or you could even do a search and manually connect with them on LinkedIn. 
So it's not necessarily just like, oh, it has to be nonfiction writers, the only people can get any use out of LinkedIn. Um, that's, yeah, I mean, it's not just a business platform, LinkedIn. It has got a lot more potential beyond that. Yeah, I've seen people like Janet Murray post on there and they post completely unrelated content. It's got nothing to do with business and it's the content just skyrockets and almost goes yeah. viral. Just because I guess it might be a bit of a break on the platform from the stodgy business content that everyone else is pumping out that feels kind of saming. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. Good content is good content, whatever platform it is on. I mean, there's a lot of terrible stuff on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, what Janet Murray does is very good, actually. I mean, actually, it's funny, you're like, Janet Murray was an example of somebody who is an introvert, but looks like an extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> and she said that online, actually, that she gets very, like, she loses energy when she's, even though she's, you would think she's the most outgoing person ever. So it's, yeah, I, I don't know why I, I segwayed segway to that particular thing but yeah it's um I'm, I'm waffling now aren't i it's like linkedin is yeah linkedin is potentially useful for writers i wouldn't i mean it there's other there's other like um like i was on cora the other day which i only check out like every six months or so but actually cora is a potentially a very useful platform for authors as well that's a question and answer it's not really social media per se yeah, but, I think some people class it as that and some people don't. Yeah. I probably would. I mean, sites like Quora, uh, Reddit, um, even like some of these other, I mean, there's also, I mean, there's like weird, there's a Russian social media network, which I can't remember the name of. Um, it, it, I, you should never be like, oh, I have to be on Twitter or I have to be on this. It may be that there's some weird, like, a site, going back to this weird fishing example, I've never been fishing in my life. Well, I think I went as a kid once, but if there was a specialist fishing group or social media site of some kind, then go on there. If it's appropriate for your book, don't feel that you have to have, like, be on Pinterest. Uh, or be on LinkedIn or be on Facebook uh, if it's not appropriate for what your book's about and where the readers and other people who are the movers and shakers in your book community are. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think the other thing is if you don't like a platform, don't do it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And if it's time so consuming, a... yeah, if it's time consuming as well. And there's so much of a sense of you've got to be on all the platforms and do all the things, yeah. but then you're actually watering yourself down. So what you're doing is less effective and it all becomes very counterproductive and you, you feel like you're selling your soul just to sell your book. Another social media, we're talking about social media don'ts. One that I, I, know, I still know people who do this, but don't cross post from Instagram to Twitter. <laughs> oh no no oh it's one of my pet peeves when i see people cross post a little piece of me dies inside every time i'm like this is such bad practice like yeah. i love twitter twitter's my probably my favorite platform even though i use facebook more and if someone posts cross post from instagram i can't see that image and it's just really frustrating to then have to go to a different platform and like if i'm on my computer i might not be logged in so then i might not get to see it or i might be on an account that doesn't have the permission to view 
that thing and have to so then the post loses the engagement and loses its effect well, it, it, oh. it's dangerous as well because the length of what you can have on instagram is longer than what you can have on on twitter and also instagram it's traditional to include 20 even 30 hashtags in the post we're in twitter like one or two maybe three it's more traditional and also like a lot of people have different tag names on twitter and instagram so you at somebody on Instagram, it could be, a, and I, what the funniest example I saw was somebody who cross posted from Instagram to Twitter and it cut off right in the middle of somebody's at tag and oh, tagged no. a different account. No. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not, I mean, there were lots of, I, I think there is an argument for authors to use some sort of social media, um, scheduling tool um whether you would want to use one of the free a lot of the tools like content cow is a free plan there's uh buffers got a free plan or at least it didn't have a free plan it does uh, but it's really like watered down now you can't do very much on the free plan yeah, well, yeah i think you can connect three platforms and you get 10 posts on each platform now yeah i think that's it might be less than that now yeah but i mean that's still better than nothing isn't it i mean yeah true. um um, because like, if you're going to be everywhere, uh, I mean, actually, there's very good native scheduling now in Facebook and Twitter. Um, That's what I've been using. Yeah. Just because I can't be bothered to log into anywhere else or open any other windows, I might as well do it in what's already open. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm moving, I've, I've got a Google Pulse. I actually won a year subscription to Google Pulse. Google Pulse is a very good tool, but it's quite expensive. Um mm. So I've been using that, but I'm moving some of that off onto Twitter and Facebook. So um, it can be a cheapskate. And, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's, um, in terms of other social, um, well, we're going off. What was the next question? All right, well, we have gone off on a bit of a tangent, but I think it ties in nicely. Cause I just thought of something else. Yeah. Um, if someone is like doing all this cross posting because they feel the need to be in all the places and reach all their readers, what would your advice to them be if they're suddenly going, I shouldn't be cross posting, but what am I meant to do instead? Well, it's not that you can't post the same stuff on the different platforms. I would try and mix it up a bit and do, uh, so not post at the same time and also be mindful of like, Maybe post on Twitter first and then add the extra hashtags and stuff onto LinkedIn, uh, onto Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, actually, like, Twitter has stopped now in about the last year or two. You can't post on multiple Twitter, the same thing on multiple Twitter accounts at the same time. Uh, so you kind of have to be careful. I mean, this comes into the whole copywriting thing. I mean, like when I'm promoting, uh, like I mean, to be, I always do slightly different combination of words and move the sentences <laughs> around to make them slightly different. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, you can use the same content, but you have to be you have to be intelligently repurposing stuff. Um, I mean, I think people don't appreciate like uh, what I've started doing for my the oh no not another live show, which is the live show I do. Um, co-host with somebody else is I go through after every episode and I, I create like 15 to 20 clips and then they go into a basically and I'm I'm constantly retweeting clip those clips out with links to the original show in our in, in item now 
because people aren't making enough use of the content they've already created. So it's, um, and one area I need to get my, pull my finger out on, um, but is if you were starting out as a writer, I would, um, if I was writing a brand new book now, I would make some kind of records of good quotes from my books um, for tweeting out. So like if there's a particular great bit of dialogue or something like that, I would start making a note of them and then tweeting those out because your books are a, a huge source of content. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. I've just never gone through the effort. I need to go through and reread all my books and go through and find out the best fits and start tweeting them out. I just haven't done that yet. Um, and that's true. Anything, anything you do is a source of content. But what you don't want to do is just tweet out every million or or LinkedIn or whatever, the same content you've just done over and over and over and over again, you, you've got forever to do, potentially redo all this stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, it's don't post it on the same platform at the same time necessarily, unless it's like something that's happening tomorrow. Um, uh, mix it up, make sure that you understand what's normal for that platform. Um, so what you post on Pinterest won't be the same as what you post on Twitter. Uh, or shouldn't be and the, yeah i mean instagram and twitter the ones with the most jarring when you see somebody's just cross-posted um facebook and twitter uh, well in fact anything in twitter really doesn't work because <laughs> twitter <laughs> is very short form even now Fa facebook and linkedin you could can get away with posting the same thing in a way though again you write as in what the what the expected content is on those platforms can be, uh, but I mean, if you're on a business page on Facebook and your LinkedIn profile, then there's not an awful lot of different. I mean, again, LinkedIn started adding hashtags now, but if you didn't post them, nobody would really care as far as I'm concerned. So LinkedIn and Facebook, you could potentially cross post. <coughs> but yeah, I mean, um, don't do Twitter and uh, Instagram. Uh, certainly not the same time, not, certainly not the same post anyway. I think that's a nice note to end on. So we always like to ask people about their favorite books. So what I want to know is what is one book that changed your life? Well, one book that changed my life uh, is Write, Publish, Repeat by um, the guys from the self-publishing podcast. Um, well, they were the self-publishing podcast. I'm not sure what on earth their podcast is called now. Um <laughs> But that was the book that got me into self-publishing rather than doing IT contract work. I wrote it, read it during my notice period. And they were talking about how they set up this uh, Sean, uh, well, it's Sean, Dave and uh, Johnny Truen, uh, about how they kind of set, I mean, how they had created a publishing business. Um, I mean, I'm not sure necessarily it's even the best self-publishing introductory book i think some of david Godkin's books are better for that but Love for me book. it did change my life it changed me from just doing what i was doing to this weird magical mystery tool world of online business and writing and publishing that i've been doing for the last seven years so that sounds like it was the perfect book for you to start with then yeah yeah i mean it's long i mean i'm not somebody who generally likes long books but i did yeah i read it all the way through and uh yeah, I mean, they're a little bit rambly style, but it, it had a profound influence on me because uh, I'd always been interested in self-publishing, but I didn't realize it was possible as possible as what it was. 
And also they talk a lot about the marketing side of things, about email, lots of stuff that people assume people know, but people don't like about setting up an email list and all that kind of stuff, uh, which I've been terrible at, to be fair, but I at least know what the principle is, uh, like set up an email list. Yeah, and once you've had that knowledge, you can kind of pick it apart and almost choose what works for you and what you're comfortable doing and what you need to force yourself out of your comfort zone to do. Yeah, well, it's be it's always better to be in a position where you know what you should do and you don't do it than not knowing what you should do and not doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So where can listeners go to find out a little bit more about you? Well, um i'm stoneandpress.com is my website uh, which i really badly need to kind of make some sense out of it's got links to my books it's got links to oh no not another live show um and um i that there is still if you're interested in self-publishing i have the begin self-publishing uh podcast uh begin self-publishing.com which i haven't done an episode for in years but there's still lots of useful information there on the in the archives uh, so that's beginselfpublishing.com um on youtube you can type oh no not another live show and that's got all the those interviews um and uh yeah you can just go on to uh twitter and i'm at stone and press um or instagram i'm at stone and press uh, on LinkedIn, I'm Tim Lewis, so you'll never find me in a month of Sundays because <laughs> um, so that's the trouble with LinkedIn and real names. Um, I'm on well, I'm on Facebook. As, I've got a Stone and Press Facebook page. I haven't posted much there for ages. I need to get that going again. Um, I'm on Pinterest as Stone and Press. Um, I've been posting show clips there lately. Um, I'm on call as Tim Lewis. If anybody is really keen on finding me there. Um, yeah, and I'm not going to go through every single um, place I've ever been because I've probably forgotten some. <laughs> we'll include links to all of them in the show notes. Yeah, I'm if on anyone wants as to. well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us. It's been a great chat. Yes. Thank you for all having right. me. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye. Did you find this episode enlightening? Don't forget to hit that shiny, shiny subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. Hang on, that doesn't make sense because we said hit the subscribe button, then I said, or if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. Oh, and yeah, hit the like button. Yeah, because they're okay. different. On well, the first sentence is talking to podcast, the second sentence is I'm talking sorry. to YouTube. I'm sorry. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and hit that like button. It really helps other writers find our videos and lets us know what kind of content you are more of. And don't forget, you can support the Writer's Mindset over on Patreon for less than your favourite coffee a month. Join our growing gang of writers to get early access to episodes, bonus content and writing workshops. Visit patreon.com forward slash writer's mindset to find out more. See you next time. Keep writing. Thank <laughs> you.